we all make mistakes okay i would judge people with hot corners the same way that i would judge people with side docks Welcome to this week's edition of the NinersNation.com Better Rivals Podcast. My name is Oscar Aparicio, and this week, big chests are so in. Terrell Davis thinks that Kyle Shanahan is the next Bill Belichick. And with me this week to declare a national emergency on franchising kickers, it's David Newman. Dear God, I'm leaving now. (laughs) I ain't here to talk about kickers. Please, tell me. We're going to talk about kickers, but before we get to kickers, I wanted to say two things. One, I was just in New York. Uh, went for my wife's birthday, saw Hamilton for the first time. Dope. I had avoided the music for three years. I have not heard a single song, specifically so that I could be, you know, virginal when watching the play at Richard Rogers Theater. Holy hell, it's amazing. It's so good. I've been listening to the soundtrack nonstop for like three days. Um, it's, it's so, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. So if you haven't seen Hamilton and you have a chance to see it touring or go to Chicago, or if your paper anniversary is coming up, or if your plane anniversary is coming up, I don't know, go. Cause it's freaking amazing. It's so good. Into it. That's all. I My have. paper anniversary is coming up. I haven't seen it. Do it. Maybe I'll steal that. Do it. Uh, it's coming to Austin in 2019. So you That's could do, That's yeah, you could do year. the Austin one, um, go to the Chicago cast is really good. The one of Richard Rogers is really good as well in New York. Um, but yes, highly recommend cause it's fucking dope. Um, but really the thing that I do want to talk about, the thing that hits really close to my heart, um, is we have, we have to mourn two things at this point. This is going to be a rundown. It's really going to be a funeral. It's a funeral for two, for two things that are near and dear to the better rivals heart. One of course is the release of Garikiyam. <laughs> no more. I, I don't know genuinely how I feel about that being the thing that I may be known for <laughs> in all of 49erdom. I got so many Twitter mentions. I even made it to Reddit. Someone's like, oh, man, I'm going to miss Oscar Sater on the podcast. I mean, RIP. You know, that one's going to. That was the only notable thing about his tenure with the 49ers, TBH. I had someone ask me for an iPhone ringtone. Of me saying, people still use ringtones. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, I've never. I don't know that I've ever turned my phone to Audible like ever. Yeah, one like don't have your sound on generally because uh, it kind of makes you a dick. And two, if you do like have a real ringtone, like an actual ringtone, yeah, like, nobody wants to hear your custom. If you still have a ring back, by the way, we can never be friends. What is a ring back? <laughs> oh man, I remember this from like. Uh, oh, is this when you call when and you it call plays and it the, plays oh, music no. instead of ringing uh, in your ear? It's like I don't want to hear whatever shitty song that you decided I should listen to. Like, funnily enough, here. still only legally acceptable in Missouri. That's not true. <laughs> you looked at me even, like, like, is that true? I'm like, I don't even know what. I don't get this reference. But yeah, uh, yeah, the 49ers released the swing tackle um, who was most notable because of his name. Because he had two L's in his name uh, and lots of R's. Uh, and so I affectionately called him Garigiyam. And, uh, and that's about it. That's all I have to say about that. There's nothing else notable. Sean Coleman train is really what this means. Uh, so the other is the end. Another thing we have to mourn of the age of reason. Because Robbie Gold, about to get that franchise tag, yo. How, David, tell me how you feel. I mean, it's so fucking dumb. It's just so <laughs> dumb. Uh, I love it. I'm here for it. Let it all out. Let the hate. Let the <laughs> hate even, flow within I, you. No, I let you know. I let it out enough uh, uh, last week. It's, it's just so dumb to pay a kicker five million dollars, um, and it doesn't matter. Like every person that I die a little bit every time inside is like, well, they got cap space. Like, why not? 
And it's just, I'm like, no, no, that's not how it works. That's not how you make decisions uh, when you're well, trying to Well, that's not how you make good team. decisions. It's not how you make good decisions, exactly, which we were hoping uh, that they would learn to do. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a waste of, of resources. It just shows a lack of understanding about how like that position works and, and like uh, allocation of resources. Like uh, it's, it's not that the $5 million is going to cripple them or like do anything bad for this year. Right. It's, it's more about the, the fact that you're willing to make this decision shows a misunderstanding of kind of some very basic things that I think are pretty core to team building. Uh, and that's, I think the frustrating part. It's, it's no different. Uh, this is just a, a lesser version of the running back argument, uh, yeah. is really what it is. It's, it's a running back argument that fewer people care about. Well, the, I think you said it probably best on Twitter where you said that people focus on the outliers when it comes to kickers, they, they focus on the one really good season or the one or two really good kickers. But generally speaking, there's a lot of variance year to year, even with a single kicker in his field goal percentage. Um, and, and by and large, it's not difficult to find kickers that are above the kind of median line um, because kicking is it's the best it's been ever in the NFL to the point where they had to change the rules for extra points. Right. right. Uh, yeah. I mean, you look last year, I think of kickers that, that had over 20 attempts, um, like all but four of them. I think there was nearly 30, 29, 30. I want to say that that had at least 20 kicks, all but four of them made at least 80% of those kicks. Um, you but know, you're dealing with the really them... small sample sizes is the issue yeah, is you're only exactly. dealing with like 20, 30 kicks. And so if you miss one or two kicks, that's going to swing your field goal percentage wildly uh, in any given year. And so when you look at really the, the kicker on the whole, you, you're not as uh, susceptible to kind of succumbing to those variances. And this was something that we mentioned last time, but the other thing, so that's just like the broader picture, right, is that kickers kind of bounce up and down uh, generally, and just because they're really high in field goal percentage, like there's a lot that even goes into the field goal percentage, right? You have the small sample, which you're going to have some variance built in there, but also uh, the distance of those kicks matters quite a bit, right? And this was uh, the thing that we mentioned last week or the last episode was, uh, gold had an incredibly high percentage of his kicks come under 40 yards. So these are kicks that basically all kickers are expected to make. Like they, these are rarely missed kicks. He doesn't get bonus points just because the offense got him down there in close range and then couldn't finish. And well, he gets to arguably, he, he does get three bonus points. No, 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 he doesn't. Uh, I think for me, you mentioned the running back argument. I think for me, this falls a little bit also into the fourth down argument where we now know that it is that coaches don't go for fourth downs as often as they should. They are ridiculously conservative. And if they were to be a bit more aggressive, they would maximize their points. This is Sean McVay got a lot of crap for this in the playoffs as well, right? Because the, the tide has started to shift. People are now starting to realize, yeah, you probably should go for it on more fourth downs than coaches have historically. Similarly, I think it's the same way. For, and I think that's been the case because people latch onto the fourth down you don't make as right. opposed to looking at the the pool of fourth downs as a whole and saying, yes, you're going to miss a few. But on balance, on the whole, over the course of a season, you will get more points if you are more aggressive on fourth downs. I think it's the same argument for kickers. Yes, you're going to remember the, the game you lose because you missed that field goal or something like that. But overall, you're better off if you don't pay an exorbitant amount for kickers and you allocate those resources somewhere else because it just shows better decision making. Right. And and we're going to, again, get to the point where, you know, those and it's it's the opportunity cost with that money as well. Right. We're going to get to the point where this matters, uh, where, where that money actually does make a difference. And, and if you think about whether 
um, knowing that if you even assume just the tiniest bit of risk with with your kicker and don't pay him five million dollars and trust that you can find another one that can can be an average or better kicker and, and get you that same level of production, right? Uh, you s- can save maybe four million dollars, like that is a role player that you could potentially get at a position. Like, would you rather go get another edge rusher that you can bring in on a one-year deal for 4 million that might be of some value, you know, when you have zero pass rush whatsoever. So, or you could bring in 13 running backs, right? It's just like, you can go and use those resources elsewhere uh, that actually have a a chance of impacting your bottom line, right? Your win loss record as a team uh, and actually help you improve. Whereas, you know, there's in Robbie, this has nothing to do with Robbie gold, uh, as a kicker. Like he's a great kicker. He's one of the most accurate kickers in NFL history. He's still susceptible to the same things that we're talking about. Yeah. Ultimately this isn't going, you said it earlier, it's not going to make or break the team, especially next year, but it does give you a window into their thinking. And in a lot of ways, the 49ers are very advanced in the way they approach the game of football, especially on offense and the way that they, you know, pass out of run personnel and, and the way that they kind of design their game plans. But there are still some ways in which their thinking is not as advanced as um, kind of the rest of the NFL or at least smart teams in the NFL. And, and this is probably one of them. But let's get to the meat of the... Oh, I forgot. Antonio Brown. They mutually agreed to part ways. Okay, we can move on. Um, (laughs) Done. There's going to be two receivers that have big names, and one of them uh, wants to have a big chest. And uh, they're going to be connected to the 49ers for a few weeks here and then you know maybe some what shit happens kind of maybe what kind of a nickname is i don't that's chest? the thing that i don't get right is uh it's it's already like pretty dumb to choose your own nickname uh not really Agreed. the way to go typically but if you're going to choose your nickname like what makes you land on mr big chest like I, like, I don't really? know. Maybe he's confusing having a war chest. Oh, you know, I'm like, sure it's talking to me. He wants a chest of money for sure. It doesn't make it any less dumb. But wouldn't it be like Mr. Big Bags? Like like money bags. Like I would yeah. think that, that that's the, the traditional thing. And then a war chest is like specifically for politics. Like that's the money in, in your war chest. Um, and maybe he's going to go to war. Who knows, man? I don't, I don't know. know. All I know is that that blonde mustache needs to die. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever he's thinking with that, like that shit was a mistake. I have not seen this. Oh my god, he's rocking a blonde mustache right Is now, he and it really? makes that like that alone makes me question whether they should trade for I him. I have just to like, see this. Right his now. mind is not right if he's willing to dye his mustache blonde like that. Like maybe they should just stay away at all costs. I'm googling this immediately. Oh my god, it's so what bad. is happening? I watched an interview uh, with him recently, and he was he just kept stroking it. <laughs> Oh, like he no. just knew that something was like this was bad. Why did I do this? I'm just gonna keep trying to cover this up. Oh my god! Yeah, it's not good. That looks like someone who chooses his own nickname, and that nickname happens to be Mr. Big Chest. Like to me, this is 100 all, all on brand. out, all out on Antonio. This is 100 percent right on brand. I, I, wow, that is that is something. Okay, well, yeah. let's get to what we're actually here to talk about. The important that, stuff, and that's going to be our free agency preview because we spent a, a, just about an entire month reviewing the roster kind of tearing everyone out, figuring out where the weak spots are. And now it's time to actually put that model uh, to use and figure out what the hell we're looking for in free agency. Now, a a quick primer on what it is that we're looking for and how we're going to identify the targets in free agency this year. And first off, we're going to focus on the positions that we identified in our roster evaluation. That means we're going to go heavy on defense. All positions could use help on defense, to be honest. But we're going to put special emphasis on the secondary and on edge players. On offense, we're really going to talk about pass catchers, which includes tight ends, and probably 
a guard. So really, we're going to focus on Tier 2 and Tier 3 players. Tier 2 being those foundational players that you want to build your team around. Tier 3 being those transitional players that you may want to bring in veteran-type players that are bridge players that you don't expect to do much on your on your roster for more than about two years. Right. We know that they're going to bring in you know other players. There are going to be more moves, kind of more at the bottom of the roster. Those aren't the ones that we're really focused on. We want to try to identify players that can actually come in and make an impact. And we want that impact specifically to come on the passing game, right? That's going to be the part that we really emphasize throughout this whole thing. What you do there matters so much more than what you do in the run game. So when we're looking at defense, we're looking at pass rush and your coverage ability, right? When on offense, it's what you're doing, catching the ball. If we look at offensive line, it's going to be pass protection. That area of your game is going to be the most important facet into how much you can actually come in and help. Now, the other thing that we're going to look at is cost. Because cost does matter, especially in free agency, an area where you traditionally overpay for players and overpay for talent. How much money we expect a player to get on the open market is going to play into it. So we're going to actually bucket players, when appropriate, into cost buckets to help differentiate where we think these players are going to go. And that could also help influence whether or not we think a team should go after these players. Because if there is a big-name prospect that's going to get a huge contract, but he's not a ton better than maybe a mid-level guy and you're going to save you know, probably 20-30% on that contract, then it probably makes sense to go after that mid-tier player than it does to go after the big name. And I think this is one area where traditionally the 49ers have not done super well that I'd love to see them do a bit more, which is look at players in buckets and tiers and say, I don't have to get this one player because right. there are other comparable players in this tier. And so I don't have to overpay for this one player. <coughs> not going to spend. Uh, because there are other bad linebackers I can sign instead. Exactly. And then the other thing, the, the kind of the really the final piece of this is we want to look at their fit, right? Because that matters as well. So it's not just... Uh, you know, looking at a name and seeing like, okay, this player was good and he produced it at his previous team. Like that obviously makes him a candidate that they want to bring in this year, right? That's not always the case. We want to look at specifically what we know about what the 49ers prefer at certain positions, but then also, uh, you know, what they need, right? They need, you know, to use edge rusher, which we're going to get to get to a specific type of edge rusher. Not everybody kind of fits into that same mold, right? So we want to focus in on players that, that fit what the 49ers do and what they actually need to add to their roster. So quick review, we're going to look for Tier 2 and Tier 3 players based on our roster evaluation model. We're going to prioritize their impact on the passing game. The cost for that player will indeed matter. Their fit also matters, both in terms of scheme and in terms of need, which we established in our roster evaluation model. So right now, one real quick note, especially when we get to edge rushers, edge rushers which we'll do right now, is for our purposes, we're going to assume that all potential free agents are on the table even though they're unlikely to all make it to free agency. When we get to our final free agency preview uh, at the beginning of March, March 6th, we'll know exactly who's been tagged and some people will have signed extensions. And so basically we're going to use that information to, to identify which players we think should be targeted. What we'll do over the next few episodes is look at these player tiers, figure out which ones we should really put in those buckets, and then kind of talk a little bit about them, ask some questions, why they might be good fits, why they might not be good fits, all moving towards what we think the 49ers final plan should be on March 6th uh, when we are ready to go into free agency. So that's the, the overall bucketing. That's the kind of preamble. Now let's get to the defense and let's get to edge defenders because it's all about the edge and it sure ain't 2018 anymore. We actually need one. We do need one. And there are actually edge defenders out there to get, which is a, a big difference from last year, right? And if you remember last year, listen to these episodes that we did, uh, then it was just 
dry. There was nothing there in free agency, uh, especially once, you know, there was a couple players that, that were maybe out there, but they ended up getting tagged. And that was kind of what everybody expected all along. And there just wasn't a whole lot left. And so they didn't have an opportunity to go out and address that need last year. This year is much different. Um, Edge is probably the deepest position group uh, in this free agent class. If not the, it's definitely up there. Uh, and so I think even if you get a couple of these guys at the top picked off because they get franchised or they sign extensions, like there's still a pretty deep group of players here that are that are there, there's a lot of options that are better than what they have right now yeah so let's first talk about that top dollar group of players and that list is going to be Jadavian Clowney Demarcus Lawrence D Ford Frank Clark and Trey Flowers a reminder that these are the players that we've identified that we think could be great fits that are going to be in that upper cost area that for one reason or another we think uh, should be discussed in that top area so the way that we're going to structure the discussion is to really ask just a few questions about these categories and kind of dig into them we don't want this to be like a rattling off of these various players and all of their scouting reports and whatnot because that's boring to listen to so let's talk a little bit about the questions in this group and number one if you're the general manager for these respective teams, David, do you allow any of these players to leave the building without a franchise tag? I mean, I think in some cases it, it might make sense, right? It, it kind of depends on, you know, what their their situation is, of course. But I think, you know, the most obvious candidate to me is D Ford. Like he's the one that for sure makes uh, just a ton of sense to franchise. He's only got one strong year of production and so you want to see what's there yeah you want to see him do it again before you make that long-term commitment and and so i think that kind of makes sense from all angles um but i you know i don't know you 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 don't know how willing these teams are to spend because these are all players that if they were to hit the open market are going to command very big significant contracts right and so not every team is necessarily willing to uh give out those contracts and so they might decide that look you know we we, we'll just go take our chances with some of these other guys at one of these lower levels or maybe add uh you know a piece or two in the draft and kind of just look for that production elsewhere so it's just it's tough to say but i think there is a better chance that some of these guys make it out than there was last year, right? Demarcus Lawrence... I was going to say, Demarcus Lawrence was the story that came out that apparently the Cowboys yeah. aren't going to franchise him. They don't clearly view him as valuable as maybe like Amari Cooper. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's and that's kind of the follow-up to last year, though, right? Uh, Demarcus Lawrence was the D4 last year where it was just very obvious. He was kind of a one-year wonder at that point. You want to see him go out there and reproduce uh, that same sort of production. And, uh, he, you know, now he's at a point he went out and did that. He and, absolutely did. Uh, he deserves to get a big contract, and you don't want to pay that second-year franchise money. Uh, and, and so it's going to be going out and getting a long-term deal and whether they can uh, agree to those terms. Yeah, his 2018 overall pro football focus grade was 89.5, uh, which is, you know, good. Uh, yeah, it was you, very, very similar to what he did the year before. I think it was yeah. like a slight step down. But. Well, you look at his three-year grade, and it's 90.5. So he, basically, he was, he's was he been that good near the elite territory for three years in a, in a row, right? Uh, and, and that's good. That's very, very good. And so if he's in the open market, I would say that's probably my top guy that I'd be like, you know what, if he makes it, throw buckets of money at that guy if you're going to throw buckets of money at someone. Yeah, I think he's the one that, uh, that makes sense. He kind of checks all the boxes for yep. what they're looking for, right? It's it's a, that premium position. He it, he is the type of rusher that they need as well, yeah. which I think is is key. He's he's a guy that would come in and fit what they do well. So uh, yeah, I think he's absolutely like the top guy among that group. But um, now all yeah. these all these players are good. But which of these players would you least want on the 49ers? 
Uh, probably Frank Clark because he's a trash fucking human. Well, there's uh, that. There's that. I think from a fit standpoint, it's probably clowny. Yeah, that's um, exactly who I had. And and really, it's because he is another type of defensive lineman that the 49ers already have, which is he's a he's an well, to a certain degree, he's an elite run defender. Um, and when it comes to pass production, he is not nearly as good, and he's injury prone. So much so that he's only played a full 16 games in once in his five seasons. So that's the kind of like, I'm like, you know what? There's enough risk there that I don't want to throw a ton of money there. And, and I think we've got run defenders in spades. And I don't want run defender. I want someone like a Lawrence or a D Ford. Someone who is going to just ball out in the pass game. Yeah, I think that... Uh, not that he's a bad uh, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried too much about you know him as a player. I think it, it's really a fit thing for him. He's, he's just a guy that... Uh, is a little bit better as an interior rusher than he is on the edge. But he's still, I mean, like, look, he would come in and be the best, the best edge, edge rusher, rusher that they have by a significant margin if they were to add him. But, yeah, it just doesn't make quite as much sense as some of the other guys and other names you have out there because he's just, you know, he, he moved all around kind of their front in Houston. And so he's kind of a guy that uh, is a little bit more versatile, moves inside, outside. And I just don't think they need that type of player right now. Now, this mid-level tier is one that I find incredibly interesting because I think this is where the real value in the edge class as a, from the free agency class is to be had. You've got the players that we've identified in this mid-level, uh, Brandon Graham, Ezekiel Ansah, Shaquille Barrett, and Dante Fowler. So first question in this tier, who's the best player in this group? And why is his name Brandon Graham? <laughs> I mean, this is like the most obvious one. Like, this is the guy. Um, I mean, he's almost certainly going to make it to free agency, which is a, a great starting point, obviously. Uh, but he's the guy that they should have pinned down is somebody that can come in, immediately improve, step in, be a guy. He's going to be that tier three guy, right? The, the only kind of concern with him is age. Um, but he's shown no signs of slowing down. And when you look at his game as well, he's... Uh, a guy that's a bit more built on power and, and technique as opposed to like pure athleticism and explosiveness. And so uh, I think, you know, he has a game kind of like Elvis Dumerville, right? Where he was still very productive at kind of a later age um, because of the way that he won. Brandon Graham, I think, is uh, in a similar mold there. And, and again, he's just been incredible for the last three years. He's been one of the very best edge rushers, even though, you know, the sack numbers uh, aren't, aren't quite there. Yeah, if you take a look at his three-year grade, and this is not an average of his three years. This is if you were to take all of those snaps together and grade them, right? You're looking at an overall grade of 92, which puts him in the elite, ter- sustained elite production over the course of three years. And he's not the type of rusher that's going to, he doesn't play in the style where that's going to drop off a whole hell of a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that if he's not going to come in as expensive as a Demarcus Lawrence um, or some of these other players, because they're going to get ridiculous, you know, $120 million contracts, you're going to get a lot of value there for someone who, at least in the short term, is not going to be a huge drop off. So now let's get to our favorite player, Ezekiel Ansah. Why do you think he's the best player in this group, David? Uh, I mean, he's just not good. Um, <laughs> but I'm chuckling because we covered Ezekiel Anza last year, and and we're not we're not fans of his overall production. We'll put it that I, way. I think you could honestly uh, just lump in Dante Fowler. I mean, Dante Fowler is like a worse player than Ezekiel Anza is, um, but it's the same basic argument, right? It, it, and it's just that. These guys are probably going to command still a pretty decent sum of money. Um, you know, they're both former very high draft picks, which means that teams are going to continue to give them chances and believe in their ability, um, you know, a bit more than maybe some of the guys that are in in the next group on the list. But 
I, I just think that right now we know enough about them, right? We've seen enough of all of these guys and, and have been able to see what they can do in the NFL. And, and it's just not there. Like they just aren't quality players that are going to come in and, and make a big impact for you and be worth the investment that you're going to have to to make for them. People will point to their sack numbers and especially when it comes to onset. But I think that we we cover this extensively when you look at when you look at pressure rates, that's the more consistent thing to look at, how they generate pressure, not necessarily whether or not they get sacks because that's the outcome. And when players generally produce pressure at a good rate, those will eventually convert to sacks. This was the argument behind uh, DeForest Buckner. You know, yeah. he had three sacks or whatever it was last year. Um, and it's like, you know what? He gets pressure at a pretty consistent rate. He's going to turn those into sacks. Lo and behold, he gets 12 this year. It's not that difficult to predict in that regard. But Ezekiel Ansah is someone who has outperformed his pressure performance, meaning that he's getting cleanup sacks. He's not generating the the pressure that's commensurate with the number of sacks that he's getting, which is why we don't think ultimately he is a wise investment. Similarly with Dante Fowler, you're going to run into the same issue. And then you add the injury on top of Ezekiel Ansah. The dude can't stay healthy. Um, and, and I think, you know, what worries me a little bit is that connection to Martin Mayhew because of the Detroit connection. But overall, I, I do not think the Niners should put any money into the Ezekiel Ansah train. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, the, that argument is the same thing that, uh, you know, we're saying effectively about, like, Vic Beasley when he had his massive sack season, right? Had, like, 15 and a half sacks in 2016. And uh, a big part of that was because he converted an abnormal percentage of his pressures into sacks, right? So he was there was a little bit of luck on his side there in terms of how often he was getting the quarterback down. The next two years, he's had five sacks in each season, right? And, and so, and it's not that he's been uh, necessarily considerably different Appreciably player, worse, yeah. right? It's just that th- those sack numbers have then fallen back in line with kind of where he's actually getting pressure and how often he's doing that. And, and so I think that's really uh, where you're at with guys like Ansa and Fowler is they just haven't been able to produce at a rate that, that I think is worth the type of deal that they're going to get. So now let's get to the other player that gets a little bit of a, a better rivals gold star in this tier, and that's going to be Shaquille Barrett. Shaquille Barrett may be the best value of this group, but he was tied for 25th this year in pro football focus pass rush grade, but he's been consistently above average in every single one of his four seasons. And really, I think he can be had at a value because of Bradley Chubb. Um, uh, and he basically got relegated to the bench because the Denver Broncos drafted another guy who took up the majority of his snaps. And so he's now seen maybe as a role player, but he would immediately be the best edge rusher on the team. He could be had at a bargain dollar contract. The only thing that I would worry about is that he's generally rushed from a two point stance in Denver's defense. And there may, there may be a bit of a transition, but if you can play him at something like strong side linebacker and then get him into pass rushing situations. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Why why does it matter if he, what stance he's in? Right? It doesn't. All I'm saying is Dakota Watson does the exact same thing, right? Yeah. Dakota Watson will play, look, stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. It doesn't really matter. He is uh, consistently above average as a pass rusher. And if that's your concern... That's the only thing I can think of, and it's right. not that big of a it's not that big of a concern. No, I think it's it's valid to bring up for sure because I think you'll see people say that. But the, like the thing that you really need to think about is like if your defense is so rigid that you're going to be like, man, this guy's super comfortable in a two point stance and he rushes pretty well there, and it makes literally zero de- uh, difference for us. But you know what? We've always had guys in a three point stance, so let's force him to do that. Like you got bigger problems to deal with, right? Like totally agree. If the guy and and like. The other thing that this, I mean, we don't get into it too much because uh, I think we've honestly grown super tired of it, but like continuing to hear whether these guys are like what their fit in base defense is, is just like, who gives a shit? Like 
league wide last year, teams were in base defense about 28% of the time. Like it just doesn't matter what you do there. Like what matters is you're going to be in your sub packages for the Niners. That's going to be nickel. You're going to have two edge rushers. You need two guys there. Let them stand however the hell they want to and go get the passer, right? Like that's what matters. And I think, yeah, like you mentioned, Barrett's been very consistent, um, was a guy that was in that like 500 snap range for his first three years. And then that fell off with Chubb. And so, uh, yeah, totally agree that he, you might be able to get him less, uh, now than you could have a season ago if he had been hit in free agency. Absolutely. And so I think that's something that if they don't want to go after that kind of top-end guy or, or none of those guys become available, like he's a player that they should really have on their radar. Yeah, I think if I'm setting that early edge plan, I'm looking at players like Brandon Graham and I'm looking at players like Shaquille Barrett and then I'm maybe looking at one of the premier edge rushers that maybe falls off the tree uh, and, and seeing what I can do there. But those are the two bands I'm targeting if, if I'm the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. Now you've got this bargain bin tier and the bargain bin tier for us is going to be Zadarius Smith, Marcus Golden, Pernell McPhee, and Preston Smith. Uh, and the only question I have about any of these players is, are they an upgrade over Cassius Martian and Dakota Watson? Yes. Cool. We should go after one of them. Uh, <laughs> of, of this group, which one is the most interesting to you? Uh, to me, I think probably Zadarius Smith. I think uh, because maybe of his Marcus, name. We, I mean, we I mean, need he's someone. Got a pretty dope name. Yeah. I mean, once you get rid of Garigiam, I'm going to say it as many times as I possibly can on this podcast. Uh, once you get rid of good old Garigiam, you've got to have another all name in there. And I think Zadarius Smith, you know, the apostrophe does it for me. I like it. <laughs> um, I think yeah, he's probably the guy. Like Marcus Golden's a little bit interesting. I think um, he's a little bit he's like a couple years older and he's also coming off a worse season. So I think he really would fit into this bargain, uh, Ben for sure. But I think Smith to me is a guy that like, if you're not going to go out and spend a lot of money. And I think if a lot of these guys do make it out to the market, it's going to depress the value of some of these guys. Right. And you're going to be able to get some players for cheap, even if it's just like a one year deal, uh, type situation. And so I think with him, he's a guy that isn't a very good run defender, but is shown promise as a pass rusher and is uh, actually last year was kind of his best year in that regard. So I think he has things to work with as a pass rusher, uh, which again is the most important thing. This is what they need at this position. And so, yeah, if you're taking on a, a kind of a flyer, a cheap one-year, two-year deal, something like that uh, on some of these guys at the bottom, I think he has maybe a bit more to work with than some of the others. Yeah, and that's Zedarius Smith of the good old Baltimore Ravens. Before we get to the next position group, let's take a brief break to hear from our sponsors. So let's get to the cornerbacks because that's the other area the Niners are going to need to add some talent. And unlike Edge, though, this is, this is an area where there's just not a whole hell of a lot of talent. I mean, this is an area where if you're the 49ers, you may bring in a, t- a Tier 3 player. And by that, I mean the, the transitional player who's a little bit older and gamble on your two third-round picks because there's not a lot in this cupboard. It's a, it's a bummer. Uh, I mean, I think this is basically looking kind of like the, the edge position was last year. I think there are a couple of names. Uh, and I guess that we should mention too, this is really specifically outside, outside cornerback, not interior. Um, I do think, and we can kind of maybe, uh, touch on a a couple of these guys, uh, at, at the end here, but, um, I think there are maybe a couple slot cornerbacks that make sense. If you are looking for guys to come in and compete at that area, which like of the secondary needs, that's probably the lowest on the list, but nobody there is good enough that you're not, you're going to completely turn down bringing in a better player, right? If you have an opportunity to do it and it makes sense from a cost standpoint, like I'm sorry, Quan Williams and, you know, DJ Reed aren't stopping you from making that move. So I think outside is the bigger need uh, for sure, but you know, there, there are some slot corners out there that I think are worth taking a look at. 
So let's the the first person in this group is going to be Jay, and really it's not even a group it's just the two players it's, we think yeah. that <laughs> two players that have like some chance of being decent. Yeah, the first one is Jason Verrett, and the question with Jason Verrett is whether or not the 49ers can look behind uh, can look beyond his physical profile because he's not in that same mold that the Niners have been lusting after when they when they've converted to this cover three defense. Verrett is 5'10", 180. He he's built a little bit like Jimmy Ward, although I think Jimmy Ward's a little taller and a little bigger, to be honest with you. Um, but Jason Verrett is coming off of injury, so there's value there. There's value to be had. Of course, it is a concern. It's a risk, obviously. But he's 28 years old. Uh, he didn't play last year at all. But when you look at some of his grade splits, he has the highest cover three grade of any of the available free agents, which is good, you know, because the Niners play a lot of cover three. Uh, and he's produced at a high level when he's been able to play. And, and that's the kind of player that if you're going to take a risk on them, that's the player you want to target. Someone who's performed at a high level for a sustained period of time. He was a high draft pick, so we know he's got pedigree. And, and you could get real value there and shore up the other cornerback spot as long as you're not stuck in this stupid rigid, he needs to be over six feet, when it's like, yeah, but can he cover? It's like, well, yeah. yeah, he can, but he's not over six feet. So what? He can cover. Which they don't have a lot of guys that can do that right now. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's it's tough to know what you're getting for him for sure from him uh, because he just hasn't risk, played a yeah. lot right it, it's his only full season was in 2015 and I think since then he's played about like 300 and some snaps you know in, in the three seasons uh, since then so 2015 was a, a long time ago it feels like <laughs> it, it was a little bit ago uh, and but he's the one guy that that if healthy right that if you know that you're getting the guy that we've seen when he has been on the field He's the one guy that can cover in here that can potentially come in that you get him for a bargain because uh, he's got all the injury concern. And if it hits, it, it could potentially be like a big swing for your team, right? Because by far compared to every other person that might be available in this free agent class, like he is the best player in a vacuum for sure. And, and like you mentioned, like he's done it in a system that's fairly similar to what the 49ers are doing. And so it's it's not a lot of like transition that you have to make there, right? It's, it's, he's going coming into a system that he's already familiar with. Uh, he should be able to, you know, pick up right where he left off essentially. And, and uh, you're just hoping that you're getting um, a healthy version of him because he would be by far the only, I think real difference maker in this group. Yeah. And he's also adept at playing in man coverage. And if the 49ers do increase their percentage of man coverage, he's someone who would be able to roll with that change as well. Uh, but I think the other player in this category is going to be Bradley Roby. Um, and, and the question with Bradley Roby, cornerback for the Denver Broncos, uh, another younger dude, 27 years old. But the question here is which Bradley Roby are you going to get? Because last year was not a great season for Bradley Roby. He had a career low grade of 59.8 in 2018. That was one year after posting a career high grade of 78.3. So this is, a, this is another player that maybe you can get as a value pick that is a tier three or a value yeah, signing as a tier three player because he didn't have a great year last year, but he could have a bounce back year thinking of someone like a Patrick Robinson who yeah. no one knew he was going to turn into, you know, an amazing phenomenal corner for the Eagles when he was signed. Cause he was just a kind of veteran stopgap, And yet he turned that into another big contract with, uh, uh, I think the saints. So yeah. uh, that's someone who I think Bradley Roby could be. The, the ability with him is there. It's just, yeah, he's coming off the down year, and so that depresses his value a little bit. And so I think, uh, again, if you're taking chances on guys and you're looking for players who might be able to hit and actually come in 
and, you know, be a, an impact player for your team. Like he's got to be in that conversation. Like he's, he's got to be uh, one of the guys with the most just like pure ability in, in this cornerback class. And so uh, I think that, yeah, I, again, you gotta, you need to add bodies here, right. And you need to just kind of, uh, you can't go into this season with the same group of cornerbacks that you had last year, which was a complete disaster. Hope is not uh, a strategy. Exactly. Like you can't bank on these guys all developing. And if they do, like if, if Akella Witherspoon develops and looks great and, and he earns that starting job again, like by all means you put him in there. Right. But you need to bring in guys like that can't be your only plan. You need to bring in other players. And so if I'm taking shots at, at somebody who might bounce back and be, you know, a top end caliber corner, like Bradley Roby is a guy that I think could fit that mold. Yeah. I think taking a shot at either one of these is, is going to be something the 49ers should do. When you look at the other corners on the market, you, you start getting into those older corners. I mean, Jason McCourty's 32 years old and, and you got Orlando Shandrick also 32. You, you don't want to sign another corner where Richard Sherman is no longer the, the oldest corner on the team. Yeah, I, I think, you know, and then going to the slot corners, I think, you know, Matthew is is a guy that gets mentioned, of course, with the 49ers, at least fans, you know, really want to go after that. Um, I am not necessarily in love with that addition. Um, he, I wouldn't hate it, but would, I'd, yeah, I'd be exactly. curious to see how the team would deploy him based on how they've deployed other players thus far. Yeah, he's he's kind of another player like some of the, like a Jimmy, like a better Jimmy Ward, right? And, and that he's moved around a bit, can play multiple positions, um, all that sort of thing. I think uh, Justin Coleman is probably a name that will likely get tossed out yep. just because he's, uh, you know, with, with the Seahawks. And so he obviously has experience with the scheme. Um, and then I think Bryce Callahan's probably the best of the group, the best slot corner that's going to be available on the market. Um, he was very good this past year with the bears. And so I think th- again, there are options there if they want to bring in guys. And, and I certainly wouldn't hate bringing in some more competition at that position either. Um, but I think, yeah, just kind of focusing on the outside guys, Verrett and Roby, I don't know where else you go from there. Like it, it falls off in a hurry. I, I don't really love any of the other names that are, that are currently showing up as being available. Yeah. I think at that point you're looking at like Ronald Darby, um, maybe, but that's like, I mean, at that point you're just, Hey, Tremaine Brock's a free agent. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> you can go after uh, that guy. No, thanks. You know how that yeah, one works exactly. out. Exactly. So, yeah. is, so is Sharice Wright. That guy still plays? Apparently that Uber ride he took to practice really worked out for him. <laughs> so safeties. Let's get to safeties because this is an area where it, it feels a bit more like edge because there's a strong class of options at multiple levels. Let's talk about the top dollar level first, and that's going to be populated with players like Landon Collins, HaHa Clinton-Dix, and, of course, Earl Thomas. First question here, because he's been rumored to sign uh, to be a target or a hope and a dream for the Cowboys and the Niners, uh, and that's Mr. Earl Thomas. How much would you pay for Earl Thomas? What what kind of contract makes sense for uh, you know an, a thirty plus safety who is and has played at an elite level, but is coming off of a gruesome injury? I mean, probably not as much as the Cowboys are uh, likely willing to, considering who's running. Cowboys that team. about to back a truck up. Yeah, for they're going to go like house. bankrupt uh, trying to get Earl Thomas. I, I mean, I think the starting point is you look at a, a contract similar to Richard Sherman's, right? Is probably like the baseline there. I think that Earl Thomas is a a better player, like pre-injury, right? Like he was still playing at a higher level uh, before this injury than Sherman was. Uh, and two, I'm less concerned about his ability to come back from this injury, right? It's a, it's a fracture. Uh, he actually had surgery on the, on it this time. So it was like refractured, uh, from a previous one, what, like two years, like 2016 or something like that. Um, but anyway, so he refractured it. They actually had surgery, put a rod in it this time, 
minimizes the the risks that that's going to be fractured again. So it's it's not something that's going to uh, impact his athleticism or really his ability to perform. He's probably already fully healthy and, and ready to go. So oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think there's like very minimal concerns on that front. So I think he probably is getting a little bit more than what Sherman got for sure. But I think that's kind of. Uh, you know, the the starting point for him. Do you get into bidding war with the Cowboys for someone like Earl Thomas if it's in the realm of possibility? If you're looking at a three-year deal and Parag Marate can put in a bunch of roster bonuses and a bunch of kind of tied-to-game things that, that, they, that the, the 49ers typically do, um, but you're looking at a, a three-year deal that pays him as maybe a top-five safety. Um, is that somewhere you want to go to get someone like Earl Thomas? I mean, I don't mind paying him, you know, among the top at the position. Um, you know, I, I think the worry would be that the Cowboys are, I mean, this is a team that traded a first round pick for Amari Cooper, you know? So like, I don't know that you're looking at necessarily like reasonable contracts potentially with them. Um, but I think, yeah, just paying him is like necessarily a top five guy and, and, uh, and, you know, structuring the deal in a way that, um, you know, allows them to, get out after a couple seasons if he falls off because of age or something like that, right? I think would be the only real concern there. Um, then yeah, I would be fine with that, but I, I wouldn't go too far on it because again, like you mentioned at the top, there's a lot of options in the safety class. And so while you may not get an Earl Thomas elsewhere, like you can get a very, very good safety still that can come in and play. And then again, probably use that money uh, elsewhere to pick up another edge defender or something like that. Yeah, I was pulling up the the Cowboys cap space really quickly, and it looks like over the cap has their team cap space at forty seven million uh, in terms of cap space. So they might give it all their old time. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, it's the value of having a, a rookie QB. If you're going to go all in, uh, you got to do some great things like extend your coach. <laughs> and sign old Thomas. <laughs> yeah, checks out. Yeah, exactly. But the next question is really about playing target free safety. Because the next person in this group, Landon Collins, is probably someone who's a box safety upgrade and would be a phenomenal box safety. But if you play him at box safety, then you've got to be comfortable with someone like Adrian Colbert at free safety or maybe even moving Joukowsky Tart to free safety. So the question I have about getting someone like Landon Collins is, are you comfortable with playing someone like Tart to free safety? No, not really. Yeah, um, yeah I think... Uh, Collins, if you, if you end up going that route, because yeah, he would absolutely be a box safety, uh, for them. And he would be a significant upgrade, I think over, He'd be amazing. uh, what they, what they have. And so, uh, I think that he would have to be just the first part of your safety plan. Like if you're going that yeah. direction, like you're really looking at kind of like revamping that whole thing. Um, I, I would not feel super comfortable going into the season again with basically the group of free safeties that they had yeah. last year. So I think you still need to look at, you know, adding another piece there, whether that's a lower tier free agent, uh, or whether that's going after the draft, or whether that's doing both, um, you know, something like that. But yeah, you're, you're really looking to revamp the whole thing. I think if you go that direction. And then the other question I have in this group is with someone like haha Clinton Dix. Would that be the best name on the roster? Absolutely. But is he... Oh, there, we would have so many new drinking rule games. I mean, drinking game rules. I swear to drunk, I'm not God. Um, but so the question I have for him, though, is is he a cover one safety? Because whenever I, I've watched him play, I've always seen him as more like a cover two safety. Like, he plays well in that area. And and I'm surprised that he... I mean, he, he's a, a ball-hawking safety. He makes plays on the ball. But I don't know that he has the range to be that single high safety that we're going to want that safety addition to be. And, and so I'm curious as to whether or not he would be one of those players that as a fit for the 49ers may not be good, even though as a player, um, he's probably very, very good. Also surprising that Green Bay is letting him go. Um, 
I mean, and they already let him go. They traded yeah. his ass to Washington. Oh, that's right. Washington. Uh, <laughs> the yeah, other th- team that he plays for. I think um, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, I mean, yeah, not everybody uh, necessarily is going to have like Earl Thomas range, right? Um, so but why not? I want the world data. Uh, I want the world and I want it now. Yeah, so I think when, when you start looking at other players, like you're you're probably not going to get that same level of range uh, for sure. But I mean, he's not, it's not like he's a bad athlete, right? He's like, He's a he's a good athlete. He moves well, and and again, he's shown an ability to uh, find the ball and and actually make plays, which is something that they kind of desperately need on the back end. Um, and so, yeah, and I think just kind of the reason he lands in this top dollar is because he does have some of the production that. Uh, people like to point to right the interceptions and the pass breakups and things like that uh so there's that that's in his favor and then he's you know again a former high draft pick um coming off a pretty good season so i think a lot of those things are working in his favor that he's probably going to get a pretty significant deal um but yeah i wouldn't if they decided to go that direction um i wouldn't be too concerned about it. he wouldn't be a box safety for them he would definitely he go, would definitely be uh, yeah. yeah to to the deep safety spot so um, I think that's where he'd and I, I would be fine with that. Now, much like Edge, this safety group has, I think, a lot more value in that mid-level area. And, and for us, this mid-level, this mid-level area is Adrian Amos of the Chicago Bears, LaMarcus Joyner, uh, and Trey Boston. So my first question for this group is, what's the drop-off between players like Amos, Joyner, and Boston from the, the kind of Clinton Dixes and Landon Collins of the world? I don't know that it's a huge drop off, honestly. I think that I these think so guys, uh, other than, I mean, Joyner's the one that I, I'm pretty sure he was a former first round pick uh, as well. And then, of course, he got the franchise tag last year. And so I think there's maybe more uh, in his favor, like in, in his argument to get a bigger deal. Like I was he maybe say, has a better case for it. I think he ends up being at least what ends up happening with him. Cause I think, you know, we probably put him in that mid level area just based on his performance. But I think in terms of in the contract he's going to get, I think he's probably going to get one of those top dollar contracts. And and I think that would make sense, right? Uh, I actually think that Adrian Amos uh, could, like I wouldn't be surprised if he got a big deal either. I think the, the reason that I kind of think that those two players specifically would land here is less so because of their actual ability and, and just more so wondering, are there really going to be five teams willing to shell out big money for a safety? Especially you know? given the safety market and, and the safety market's yeah. been depressed for years. And, and so I, I don't think that I do think we probably have to re um, reframe what top dollar for a safety really is. Yeah. So I think that's, that's more the issue right with them is that they could, basically be hurt by guys like Earl Thomas and Landon Collins being available during this free agency period, them snatching up the big safety contracts. And then they're just not being other teams willing to go to that level for a safety. And so they end up falling into that mid-level is from a contract standpoint anyway. So I think that's why, yeah, I, I agree. I actually really like, uh, basically everybody. I like all three players. In this, I, I um, really in this love group. Adrian Amos in this yeah. group. Like that, that's the guy. And, and I think because I think the, the theme for me is really getting value out of the free agent signings and trying to get as many as, as you can, not at that super high blockbuster level, unless you can get one of them, which, you know, if you can get Demarcus Lawrence and more power to you. Right. But yeah. I, I do think that you really have to look at value. And when you look at Adrian Amos, he was a former fifth round draft pick. And we know that he is a smart safety. He has to be to play in Vic Fangio scheme. 
and he has he had such a good coverage grade this year, and he's played. I mean, he was one of the reasons why that was as good of a defense as it was. And so I think when you because he doesn't have that first round pe- pedigree like Haha Clinton Dix or someone yeah. like that, he's not going to necessarily command top dollar. He says he wants to be a bear. He says like you know this is my priority, but sure. uh, you know I could go to someone like Denver. He's already like kind of targeting other teams where he's like I know their defense I could fit there yeah. um, because you know obviously his his coach is there now. So so I think that he is someone who is it may take a, a hometown discount and if he is and he's like oh you know i'll take a discount here and the niners come in with just a bit more money that's you know a lot less than what earl thomas or landon collins are going to get they can get some serious value for someone who's been producing elite coverage uh for a couple of years yeah i mean he was uh like a top three graded safety for us um in 2017 um was top 15 this year so i mean yeah he's been producing it at a, at a high level um, for quite some time. I think he's kind of a more under the radar guy. Like, I don't think like even this year, if you think about it on the bears who had the best defense in football all season, got a lot of attention, right? He wasn't even the safety that got the most attention on his team, right? You had, uh, Eddie Jackson that was Mm -hmm. there and that, uh, it was amazing and, um, you know, made a ton of plays and so kind of stole some of that spotlight from him. And so I think he's, yeah, uh, definitely a more under the radar guy that if they could find a way uh, I mean, yeah, obviously for him, it makes sense, to, you know, if he wants to stick in a scheme that he knows and, and stay with either, uh, you know, Chicago or go to Denver, um, makes sense. But if they have an opportunity to go after a, a guy like that, like if they miss out on the Earl Thomas boat, for instance, and, and he decides to go to Dallas, like would be thrilled to have him. Now let's talk about the linebackers. That's the final defensive position group that we'll address in this free agency preview. And for this, this is another position that does not have a a huge number of players. But if you're looking at possible targets, it's going to be Jordan Hicks, CJ Mosley, and Quan Alexander. And my first question for the linebackers specifically is, do you think the Niners are going to spend big in this area? And if so, what does spending big mean for a linebacker in today's NFL? Dear God, I hope they don't. Um, I hope they don't either. And, and I, I just, I don't know that I worry because of the Malcolm Smith contracts of the world. Yeah. I just don't think that they're, I mean, it's just not a great, like this, uh, when you, linebacker, it's going to be tough this year. Like linebacker is very edge like from last year and that it's both a bad, uh, free agency class and a bad draft class. Like they're just not a lot of great players, um, out there to, to be had. And so I think, yeah, I would uh, not be super pumped if like one of their big signings came from this area because I think you can have such a bigger impact going after, again, uh, not only positions that I think are, are both more important in safety and edge um, than, than linebacker is, but also can have a bigger impact. You have a bigger group of players, of quality players to work with there. So I think that's the, like the direction that they should go if they're going to spend big uh, defensively. But yeah, I just... I don't know. Um, if you're going to go after, I guess, you know, a linebacker in this class, it's got to be one of these three. They're really the only three that have shown the ability to be good in coverage. I mean, Jordan Hicks is, um, you know, is maybe one of the best coverage linebackers in football. Well, if he's healthy. that's the guy that I would want, not just because I want to be to field basically like an, an all Longhorns defense <laughs> like Earl Thomas and Jordan Hicks, but but because. I think he's the person that I would hope the Niners go and get, but he's also the one that worries me the most because he similarly has an injury history and, and he has not been able to stay consistently healthy over the course of his career. 
And and I do think that injury, especially when there becomes a pattern like that, is is kind of a skill, right? Um, he was a third round draft pick, but he's got a torn pec, ruptured Achilles, injured calf, uh, caused him to miss four games this year. He's missed a total of nineteen games in his four seasons. I mean, that's that that's a trend. That's like, a lot. Uh, and I think so. This is where it really comes down to cost mattering for him, right? So if if people are so scared off by his injury history that all of a sudden he can't get more than a one year deal for pretty cheap. I think that's when you look at it, right? Because if you're if you go that kind of short-term minimal commitment route with him, then if he gets hurt again, well you're not out, you know, it's not affecting your long-term future at all. Like you can cut ties with him after the season, you go on you you, you find hopefully another linebacker and what I mean I have no idea who's going to be available next year, but hopefully it's not as bad of a class overall as you're working with this year and you try to reevaluate that plan then, right? Um, but if he hits it's potentially like a huge win for your defense because again, he is uh, not, not just, you know, one of potentially the best coverage linebackers in this free agency class, like literally one of the better guys in the entire league when he's healthy and playing uh, at his best from that standpoint. So that's something that again, they could very much use a, a guy next to Fred Warner because mostly just from a body stand, like they just don't yeah, have, they anybody, don't have very right? many people. Um, they don't have very many people left on the roster. Uh, they don't have very many people under contract. So they're going to likely need to add some players here regardless. And if, again, if his value falls far enough, they should be all over it. Sign Landon Collins and Adrian Amos and play Landon Collins at linebacker. Do it. I'm all, I'm all leave, about leave Landon, leave Landon Collins. That's safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think the, the player that probably gets the biggest contract here, if I'm guessing projecting is probably CJ Mosley, just cause he's got that Ravens pedigree and he's relatively yeah, young. I think that's probably, makes um, sense. but Quan Alexander is another player in here. Who's also similarly young, 25 years old, played for ye old Buccaneers. Uh, and again, did not have a terrible coverage grade. Uh, even if his overall grade, uh, probably yeah. wasn't and super duper. Yeah. Again, he's one kind of coming off sort of a down year. So you're, you're hoping that, uh, get some value, know, there. get some value from him and he can maybe bounce back. But yeah, again, one yeah. of the only guys that's shown anything in coverage. Yeah. So overall, I think in terms of free agency, you're, you're looking at players, at least for me, I'm looking at players where I can get some value because they're either coming off of injury or because they had a down year, but they've been able to perform consistent consistently or players that fit within what the Niners want to do in a cover three scheme, where if you look at how they perform overall, um, maybe it's not too hot, but when you look at how they perform specifically in cover three defenses or in man coverage, these are players you want to target. Um, and, and I just hope that if the Niners do spend a ton of money in this area, it's going to be on someone like a Demarcus Lawrence and not on someone like an Ezekiel Ansa. I think like just kind of initial feel for this group on defense. If the Niners end up spending a bunch of money on someone like Fowler or Ansa, um, and then franchise Robbie Gold. I'm, I yeah. I don't yeah. know how I'm going to feel about the soft season. Yeah, I think the other one, um, maybe the last kind of thought that I have is I, I would actually, I'm, I I go back and forth on Trey Flowers. So Trey Flowers, I think, will probably be available. I, it just doesn't seem yeah they New Englandish to to franchise him. Yeah, I I've read both things now. I've read that they will and they won't franchise him, which of course yeah. is sure exactly what's going to happen uh yeah it makes sense for this time of year I, I to me i would be a little surprised if they decided to either franchise him or or sign him to a long-term deal because that just they, they kind of have had a more move on and find the next guy approach uh at that position so uh if he becomes available i think he's really interesting because he's maybe uh, or not even maybe honestly he's, he's probably he the best all-around player yep. of that entire group right yep. there's so many different things that he can do I just wonder how well that sort of versatility fits. Like I, I, 
I'm not confident that the 49ers defense would take full advantage of his versatility in the way that New England did, yeah. right? So I don't think yeah, that, makes sense. that you're necessarily like, I, I really like him as a player and I think that he'll go somewhere and have a big impact. I just don't know if the 49ers are the team to take full advantage of his skills. Yeah, I think that makes sense. For, for me, the two players that excite me the most from the ones that we've covered thus far are, are probably Adrian Amos. I, I think he's the guy who could slot in and would not break the bank but would give you really, really fantastic coverage skills on the back end at free safety, which is a position that makes this go. Um, and because he's, he's younger uh, and doesn't have as many injury concerns as someone like Earl Thomas, I'm not nearly as worried about paying him uh, just a little extra, but I still don't think he'd be as expensive as someone like Earl Thomas. Yeah. Um, and then I think from Edge, for me, it's, it's Shaquille Barrett and Brandon Graham. And, and I think over the course of doing the the prep work for this Shaquille Barrett as I dug into him and watched a little bit of tape on him he's the one I think that surprised me the most I did not expect to like him as much as I did um uh, kind of going into this process and so for me those are the two players that like you know what if we ended up with someone like Shaq Barrett and Adrian Amos I'd be really happy with that right and and the other thing too is like even if say somebody like Demarcus Lawrence became available would you be better off getting Demarcus Lawrence and and giving him the big deal that he he's going to get or getting two of those other guys, right? If you could have Brandon Graham and Shaquille Barrett for uh, a, a cost that's not that much more than you get for Demarcus Lawrence all by himself, like I, I think that might be a better better route to go, right? Like you need you yeah, you have I nothing. There you got play- at you, that you need players. So you need yeah, if you can get multiple players to come in at that position, um, and and I wouldn't even like at that point too. I mean, I think you know we'll we'll get to drafts. I think there, there's a lot of different ways that they can go. Um, there, but if you get somebody like Bosa that falls to you at two, right? Like that still makes sense, right? And I think you can really you have an opportunity to revamp a, a very significant weakness. Yeah, you know, no, this, I, this I totally agree. Uh, all right, so that about does it for this week's edition of the Niners Nation Better Rivals podcast. You can always follow me on the Twitters. That's at Better Rivals David. Where can they follow you? That will be at PFF underscore David. Thanks for letting us go dark for a whole week so I could go enjoy the Hamiltons in New York, which was a ton of fun. Uh, But we'll be back next week, and we'll talk about the offense. We'll talk about pass catchers. We'll talk about guard. And you know what? R.I.P. Garrigillam. I had to get that in just one more time. time. I had to to do it, man. It's the last time. (laughs) This is the last time. Just like that national song. But we'll be back again next week with the offense in our next free agency preview. So thanks again for tuning in. And as always, go Niners.